Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Millennial Learns. This is your Thursday episode, which for those of you who are new, welcome. The Thursday episode is where I basically go over the history and all of the fun facts of a certain state. So we are going in the order that the states join the union. So we are on the 17th state, which is Ohio. And I've had multiple friends and, you know, their families that have lived in Ohio for a really long time or, you know, a couple years or, you know, something, you know, a varying amounts of time. But basically, I've known a lot of people that have lived in Ohio. I've gotten mixed reviews, honestly, um, about it. My husband, when he lived there, absolutely loved it. He basically just mountain biked all the time through the, you know, rolling hills and kind of lived a little slow and quiet life there. So he really has fond memories of Ohio. I know a couple of my other friends don't love Ohio. It might be very heavily dependent on what area you're in. Um, but from what I've researched, it looks like a pretty good state, especially probably just because I've heard many, many good things about Ohio from my husband. So um, this week's episode is the history and the state of Ohio. Enjoy. <laughs> Okay, so first things first, we're gonna go over a few basic facts, you know, when did it become a state? What's the capital? Why is it called Ohio? All of that good stuff before we get into the actual history of the state so we can get like a little baseline of what Ohio is like. So the capital of Ohio is Columbus and it became a state on March 1st, 1803. Now it's named Ohio because the Iroquois word and it's spelled like they spell it O-Y-O, so I'm assuming the pronunciation is Oyo. Uh, that Iroquois word means Great River. So the Iroquois Indians began to settle between the Ohio River and the Great Lakes by around the year 1650. And so um, it says that it's estimated that only a few hundred lived in present-day Ohio during any one period. So there were Native Americans there, but it wasn't super heavily populated Um you know, at any point, really. So, but that is where the name Ohio comes from, is from that Iroquois word. Okay, the state motto is, with God, all things are possible. By 2020, the population of Ohio, of Ohio hit 11.76 million, which makes it the seventh largest population in the U.S. So pretty heavily populated. It is a big area, so, um, you know, there's that, but Ohio is pretty central, like, uh, you know, in politics, the Ohio primaries are pretty, are big. And, you know, Ohio is pretty central in both the geographical location and politically and things like that. So pretty big population. That's not too big of a surprise. Geography. Okay, so it is 44,825 square miles. And this little fact, I had to read twice because I thought that there was a typo, but the length and the width of Ohio are both exactly 220 miles. So yeah, I did not believe that at first. I was like, that seems crazy because again, it's like separated by rivers and stuff, but it's the exact same length as height. Now the shape is not a square because 
it like dips down in the middle and stuff. But if you just go longest length, longest width, they are the same, 220 miles. Okay, it is bordered by Michigan and Lake Erie in the north, by Pennsylvania and West Virginia in the south, and by Indiana on the west. Okay, so let's talk about the actual geographical regions really quickly because it's pretty interesting um, in this region of the country. So the geography of Ohio divides the state into five distinct regions. So those five regions are the Great Lakes Plains, the Till Plains, the Appalachian Plateau, the Bluegrass Region, and the Lake Erie Shoreline. So the Lake Erie Shoreline is the only one of the Great Lakes, I mean, Lake Erie is the only one of the Great Lakes that borders Ohio, so that is where the Lake Erie shoreline comes from. It's that shoreline right on the border of Ohio. The Great Lakes Plains are a flat region located to the south of the Lake Erie shoreline. Then south of that are the Till Plains in the western part of the state. And the Appalachian Plateau is, you know, south of the Great Plains, but on the eastern part of the state. And then the bluegrass region is a small section in southern Ohio that is wedged between the Till Plains and the Appalachian Plateau. And I will link where I'm getting all this information in the description. So you can go check out all of that. Okay, so let's see. It says, of the regions of Ohio, the Till Plains are probably the most unusual. They were formed when a sheet of glacial ice melted and left behind sediments and debris that it held. These sediments made of clay, pebbles, boulders, and sharp, and sharp broken rocks form rolling hills. So all that geography info was from an article called study.com. And again, I will link that. But they also point out that there's these really cool rock arches found throughout the state. They said there's at least a dozen of them and they form these kind of natural bridges. So three of them that they point out are the Rock House Arch, the Rock Bridge Arch, and there's a rock arch called the Needle's Eye. And Needle's Eye seems really cool because it's a marine arch and it's located on the shore of Lake Erie. So if you're in the state, that might be a very, very good place to check out. Um, okay, let's move on to climate. So I always get the climate info from this website called Best Places. And so it gives like an overall comfort index, tells you basically how comfortable the state is compared to the national average. And then it also breaks down all of the different characteristics, like how much precipitation you're getting, how many sunny days are you getting, all that kind of stuff. So I, I do this on every state if you're new, just to have a comparison between all of them that's consistent. So Ohio gets 53 inches of rain, which is above the national average of 38 inches. Um, there is the exact average amount of snow in Ohio. So they get 28 inches of snow a year, and that is the same as the average state. There's 173 sunny days in Ohio. The national average is 205. So basically, there's a lot of overcast days, it seems like, in Ohio. And this is consistent with what my husband told me about it. It's way less sunny. And in the winter, you know, it's more overcast. Whereas in Colorado, you can have a day where it's snowing and then the next day is super bright and sunny. Whereas places like, you know, Michigan and Ohio, um, it seems like the whole winter is a little bit more overcast. So that's something to keep in mind if you really need the sun. 
The winter low is 20 degrees. The summer high is 84, so not too terrible. And I was under the misconception that Ohio got extremely, extremely humid. I think I just assumed that every state but Colorado gets very humid because I feel like anywhere else I go, I'm sweating. But when we were looking at the East Coast states, like very East Coast, a lot of those get to, you know, 75% humidity. Ohio does get humid in the summer, but it only gets to about 65, which seems very, very manageable to me. So if it's 84 and it's only 65% humidity, as opposed to like 90% humidity, you know, that seems a lot better. So the comfort index overall is a 7.0, which is exactly average for all the states. That's like kind of the average that they base the comfort index on. And so, you know, Ohio hits the average. It does get pretty cold. It also gets pretty hot. Humidity's not too bad, so it's all kind of right in the neutral zone. June, September, and August are the best months to go there, the most comfortable months, and January and February are the least comfortable. Okay, now that we have gotten through kind of the basic facts here, let's go to the history timeline. Now, I got the history timeline from eReference Desk, Sometimes the timelines, I feel like, have too much information that is not needed. Sometimes they have too little. I feel like Ohio's is pretty good. So we're just going to go through this timeline and hit the major events here. So they always give a little blurb about kind of before the actual European history starts. So this says basically that about 13,000 B.C., there were very early hunting and gathering people living in Ohio um, in the last centuries of the Ice Age that were hunting, you know, mammoth and mastodon and things like that. By, you know, from 8,000 to 500 BC, the hunters and gatherers had to find new ways to harvest Ohio's bounty because the climate was warming and the forests were growing in the area and things like that. And then from 800 BC to 100 AD, the Adena people became, you know, Ohio's first farmers. They grew plants like sunflowers and squash, and it says that many of their thousands of bur burial mounds have survived in the Ohio, or have survived in Ohio. The Serpent Mound in Adams County is the largest mound in the U.S. So there are some still some artifacts we can still find from that day and age. Um, then it goes into just like a general overview of Ohio, but I think we're just going to skip that because we're about to go into some depth here. So really the European history starts in 1670 when Rene Robert Cav Cavalier uh, explores and claims the Ohio region for France. So this is a little French area to begin with. Okay, 80 years later in 1750, the Ohio Company of Virginia claims the Ohio region for England instead of France. It takes until 1763 for French for the French to surrender the claim to Ohio to Britain. So it's now officially under Britain, British rule. And in 1787, Ohio becomes part of the Northwest Territory. So they did not like participate in the Revolutionary War, um, and only in 1787 did they become a territory. In 1795, the Treaty of Greenville ends the Indian Wars in Ohio, and then in 1788, on April 7th, 
Marietta was Ohio's first permanent settlement. It was founded by, in 1788 by General Rufus Putnam and named in honor of Marie Antoinette, then Queen of France. I have heard a lot about Marietta, Ohio. I think a lot of my friends who have lived in Ohio lived there. So that was actually the first permanent settlement. I was really surprised to read that. It's also interesting with these states that didn't actually start as colonies. I didn't realize how much shorter some of these timelines would be because so much of the original 13 colonies timelines were really involved with okay, like when was this first settled? When did, you know, settlers come over? When did it become a royal colony? How did the progression of the Revolutionary War come about? And for this, it's like, okay, France claimed it, then England claimed it, and then it became a territory. Like, there's not that much drama that's happening in between all that. So it's just interesting how this is a lot <laughs> shorter and we're already to, you know, the 1800s. Okay, in 1800, the Division Act creates the Indian Territory. Now, I'll probably do an entire podcast episode about this because I've been really curious because I've been, I was reading the first couple books of Little House on the Prairie, and when they come across, you know, the nation and settle, they realize that they settled their cabin like too close to the Indian Trail and they were in Indian Territory. I'm assuming this is the same Indian Territory that they were kind of affected by. And so I want to do a full episode on that whole act. Okay, in 1802, Congress authorizes the formation of a state government in Ohio. And then on March 1st, 1803, Ohio is admitted into the Union as the 17th state. Now, the state capital was not Columbus at the time. It was Chillicothe, which I have never heard of, but that used to be the state capital originally when it first became a state. 1804, Ohio University was founded in Athens, and it was the first university in Ohio and in the Northwest Territory, so starting to get educational programs set up there. In 1810, the state capital changed, not to Columbus, but to a place called Zanesville. Um, 1811, Tecumseh defeated, or Tecumseh was defeated at the Battle of Tippecanoe. And in 1812, Fort Meigs, M-E-I-G-S, was constructed to protect Ohio from invasion during the War of 1812. Now, it is no secret that I really don't know that much about the War of 1812. I don't exactly know <laughs> who it was between or for, you know, I, I don't really know. So again, that's going to be another podcast episode because I feel like so many of these timelines have very important things that happened during the War of 1812. And I just have so little background about them that it just doesn't help me. Like the fact that this was this fort was constructed to protect Ohio from invasion during the War of 1812, I'm sure is very, very important, but I just don't really get the significance of it or why they needed, why they were going to be invaded. So anyway, um, I will say, because the more I go through these timelines, the more I realize I don't know, like the more that I know what I don't know. I will say I saw this TikTok where someone was kind of quizzing someone else on historical facts and years and things like that and 
I actually knew a lot more than I would have before I started this podcast. Like, if you have listened for a while, you may have listened to my war, uh, World War One episode, and I was like, I have no idea why World War One started. And then, you know, I learned it was it got kicked off by the assassination of the Archduke Franz Ferdinand. And I actually knew that, like they were talking about these historical things and she was asking like, okay, why did World War I start? And I actually knew the answer. So (laughs) I know it seems like sometimes I still don't know a ton, but I am learning a lot through this podcast, which is like, has been so awesome to realize and so fun. So I hope you guys are learning some stuff too. Um, Okay, 1813, the British, were defeated in the Battle of Lake Erie, which is in Ohio. And then in 1816, uh, Columbus is actually named the state capital. Okay, 1817, the first abolitionist newspaper called The Philanthropist is published in Mount Pleasant. So again, like all these states in the North, I know we didn't abolish slavery till 1865, which seems very, very late. Well, technically 1863, but then, you know, Juneteenth is celebrating 1865 when the slaves knew that they were free. Um, And that seems very late. But, like, a lot of people were against slavery well before it was actually abolished. And many states already had slavery abolished. It was just the southern states where some people were fighting for it. So, um... 1825, the National Road reaches St. Clairsville, Ohio, and the construction of the Miami and Erie Canals begin. So again, like we've seen with many of these other states, the like early to mid-1800s were a big time for transportation booms and, and all of that. Um, so those two canals, the... Well, sorry, the Erie Canal is completed in 1832 along with the Ohio Canal. Um, 1833, the nation's first interracial co-educational college named Oberlin College was founded in Oberlin, Ohio. And then the Anti-Slavery Society, the Ohio Anti-Slavery Society, was founded in Zanesville in 1835. So again, this is like 30 years before slavery is actually abolished, but Ohio was very on top of the... um, you know, abolitionist movement, the anti-slavery, and the co-educational movement. All of that was happening in Ohio well before slavery was abolished. Okay, 1835, there were boundary disputes between Michigan and Ohio. I talked a little bit about this in my Michigan episode, which I did like probably a year ago. I just did a standalone Michigan episode. So I'll be redoing the Michigan episode and we'll be talking more about this Toledo War and going in depth because all my notes are in the Michigan episode. It's, it's interesting because they call it a war, but from my understanding, it was just like a little skirmish that was settled pretty quickly. So, and I don't think anyone actually died. I don't think there was any actual like conflict. I could be wrong on that, but we'll get, we'll get it fact-checked in the Michigan episode. Okay. 1840, William Henry Harrison was elected president and he was from North Bend, Ohio. The, uh, 1842, the last Indian tribe leaves Ohio. They are called the Wyandots. So that was basically the end of a major like Indian presence in Ohio. The Miami and the Erie Canals were completed in 
1845, and in 1849, the first Ohio State Fair opens for business. Okay, so by 1850, Ohio was like a big producer of goods, so they led all the states in corn, horses, sheep, and wool production. And then, like they were ahead of the game with, you know, slavery and, you know, black rights, they were also very ahead of the curve on women's rights. So they had a, um, they hosted the second U.S. Women's Rights Convention, which was held in Salem, Ohio. That was in 1850. So women got the right to vote in, I mean, it was voted on in 1919, but then it actually went into effect in 1920. And so this was 70 years before women got the right to vote. They were having a women's rights convention in Ohio. The current Ohio State Constitution was adopted in 1851, so this is extremely different than Tennessee, which we learned about last week. So if you remember, Tennessee, I'm like 90% sure it was the Tennessee episode, but they changed their constitution about seven to nine times. I feel like every other line in this timeline was, oh, they amended their constitution, they changed their constitution. So the current Ohio Constitution was adopted in 1851. Okay, um, 1859, John Brown, who was an abolitionist from Akron, led a raid on Harper's Ferry, Virginia. So we learned about this raid in the Virginia episode. Um, you can go to that episode to learn a little bit more about it, but the guy who led that was from Akron. Okay, Civil War happens from 1861 to 1865. Ohio fought for the Union, but the state showed mixed feelings towards slavery, this says. So, yeah, it's interesting because they were so ahead of the curve on, you know, on these rights issues. And they were more progressive, but still there were, you know, a lot of people that sympathized with the South. The state house was completed in 1861. Um, so in the middle of the war, the Battle of Buffington, or the Battle of Buffington Island was the only Civil War battle in Ohio. So there was only one battle here. It wasn't like a major point of the war, um, but they were on the Union side. Ulysses S. Grant is another Ohioan. He is from Point Pleasant and he was elected president in 1868. The Cincinnati Red Stockings become the first fully professional baseball team in 1869. First of all, it's funny that they're called the Cincinnati Red Stockings, but um, yeah, interesting that they were the first professional team. Um, also, the inventor of chewing gum, his name was W.F. Semple. He was from Mount Vernon, and he patented chewing gum in 1869 as well. Okay, 1870, Ohio State University is founded, so very long history of that university, and Benjamin Goodrich opens a rubber plant in Akron, also in 1870. Something I just said struck me a little bit as uh, funny, I guess. So I said, okay, Ohio State University was founded in 1870. What a long history, because, you know, that's 150 years. I just, I keep saying I just saw a TikTok, but I did. I just saw a TikTok of someone saying, or maybe it was on a podcast or something, where 
our idea of like a long history in America is just that like 150 years it's like oh this is from the 50s it's vintage or this from the 1850s that's even longer but then you know you go to like Europe and their history goes so much further back and like my cousin studied at Oxford and their history of Oxford is just so much longer it just struck me as kind of interesting that I was like wow 1850 that's such a or 1870 sorry that's such a long history where all these universities like in Europe and stuff go even further back which is just amazing so I do want to maybe visit Oxford at some point and see all that history there um, okay, 1873, so agriculture is huge in Ohio, as we can see from a lot of the, you know, production of horses and sheep and sheeple and all that stuff. So, which also makes sense why some people would sympathize towards the South with slavery, because if they're a big agricultural state um, and slaves are used in agriculture, um, that can make sense why some... Ohioans were a little sympathetic towards the South. So, um, so in, you know, all that to say basically is in 1873, the Ohio Agriculture and Mechanical College opens. In 1876, Rutherford B. Hayes, who, at this timeline, it's very confusing because it says, Rutherford B. Hayes from Delaware is elected president. Well, they wouldn't add on a item like this on the timeline unless he's from Ohio because they only add presidents who are from the state that you're studying. So I looked it up. There is a city called Delaware, Ohio. <laughs> so he was from Delaware, Ohio, and he was elected in 1876. In 1878, James Riddy of Dayton, Ohio, developed the first cash register. So all of the, um, all the cash registers you see are thanks to an Ohioan originally. In 1879, Cleveland becomes the world's first city to be lighted electrically um, when Charles Brush successfully demonstrated arc lights on the streets. So, you know, they, I used to see these pictures, or I've seen these pictures of lanterns lighting the night streets. This was a huge step in lighting streets electrically. And that didn't happen until 1879. I had actually assumed that it happened earlier. I'm not sure when I thought it happened, but definitely wasn't this late. Um, 1880, James Garfield from Orange, Ohio is elected president. Then 1888, Benjamin Harrison from North Bend, Ohio is elected president. This is partly why, and we'll see more of this, but this is partly why Ohio is known as the mother of modern presidents because seven modern presidents have come from Ohio Eight presidents total have come from Virginia, um, but a lot of them were the first few, like Madison and Monroe, I believe, were from Virginia, so they were like the first presidents. Most of Ohio's presidents have been kind of later, more modern presidents, so it's known as the, the mother of modern presidents. Um, an interesting thing to note, seven of those eight, or seven presidents were born in Ohio, but there was one president, I think it was... William Tyler Harrison, I'll look, but he was born in Virginia, but he moved to Ohio and became an Ohio senator and then became president. So technically there's, when you talk about Ohio presidents, a lot of people consider there to be eight um, because of that move. So 
Okay, 1892 Cedar Point opens its first roller coaster. This is on my attractions list because Cedar Point I have heard a ton about. Uh, 1896 in Marietta, Ohio, John Gilman uses the first x-ray mach machines in surgery. So big medical um, advancements being used there. In 1898, Henry Timken of Canton, Ohio, developed the first roller bearing. It's funny that we know who like developed the first roller bearing, but no one gets any credit for the first air conditioning machine. Like we don't know that guy's name. I don't, you know, I've never heard it at least. So it's confusing what we remember in history and what we don't. I feel like the air conditioning guy should be the most recognizable name in America. He has changed lives. So, but we know that Henry Timken developed the roller bearing. Okay. Um, John Lambert of Ohio City made America's first automobile in 1891. This was surprising to read because I had always heard that Henry Ford, you know, you always think of him as the creator of the automobile, but he basically just created the manufacturing process and like the the line that it was manufactured on, but actually John Lambert was the creator of the first automobile. Okay, 1903, the Wright brothers, who were originally bicycle shop owners from Dayton, Ohio, became the first in flight. Um, and then eight, 1908, William Howard Taft from Cincinnati, Ohio, is elected president. Again, lots of presidents from Ohio. 1911, Charles Kettering of Ludenville invented the first automobile self-starter. So again, lots of like, especially in this region with like Michigan and Ohio, like you kind of think of that whole region as, you know, automobile car industry. And so all of these automobile advancements really um, plays into that and like confirms that. Okay, 1913, there was a flood, or I guess it was a series of floods. They were just spring floods, but 428 people died in 1913 because of spring floods, which 428 is a, is a lot. So I was not aware that Ohio actually flooded that much, but I guess, I guess it makes sense. Um, but yeah, so 1913 was not a good year for flooding. Um, the watershed districts are created and formed in 1914 because um, the Ohio Cons Conservancy Act permitted that. 6,800 Ohio soldiers uh, are killed in World War I. 1917, the U.S. enters World War I. Uh, 1920, Warren Harding from Corsica, Ohio is elected president. And then in 1921, something called the Bing Act passes. And what that is, is it required students in Ohio to remain in school until graduation or the age of 18. So big emphasis on education. I don't know if this is still like in effect everywhere because I know there are people who definitely get their GED or like drop out in other states uh, before the age of 18. So I think this is just an Ohio specific rule, but um, I'll have to look more into that. Okay, 1923, Garrett Morgan of Cleveland invents the first traffic light. Again, kind of indirect, but another automobile 
and like transportation related innovation. Um, let's see, 1929, steel becomes Ohio's number one industry, and this is also at the time that the Great Depression is hitting the U.S. The first state sales tax is, appo- or is imposed in Ohio at 3%, that was in 1934, and I don't know, I don't like taxes much, so don't think that's necessarily a good thing, but whatever. Um, The Ohio River floods leaving 750,000 people homeless. So that makes more sense because the Ohio River is kind of what's flooding. I was thinking that it was like Lake Erie because of the Lake Erie shoreline. Uh, But no, these floods are mostly caused by the Ohio River flooding. And while it was bad that like 400 and whatever, uh, let's see, how many was it? 428 people died in 1913. It is crazy that this flooding in 1937 left 750,000 people homeless. That's insane. Um, Teflon was invented in Ohio in 1938. uh, And then World War II happens 1941 to 1945. About 20,000 Ohioans are killed in World War II. In 1946, the U.S. Air Force chooses Chuck Yeager, a pilot instructor at Wright Field, to test its first rocket aircraft, breaking the sound barrier in 1947. So, he is from Ohio, the first man to break the sound barrier. The Ohio Department of Natural Resources is created in 1949, and then... In 1953, Congress discovers it neglected to officially recognize Ohio's statehood and passes a formal resolution declaring Ohio's entry into the Union as March 1st, 1803. They never actually recognized it. So technically, until 1953, Ohio was not actually a state. So they had to retroactively recognize Ohio as a state since 1803, which I thought was hilarious. Like... It's just, when I googled, like, what date did Ohio enter the Union, it was just, you know, it just came up with March 1st, 1803, you know, easy peasy. It's not until I read this entire timeline that I realized that there was kind of a mix-up in their becoming a state. So, (laughs) um, technically, if we did it by actual (laughs) dates, I feel like uh, we could have Ohio kind of as our... 50th state instead and everything is just off and shifted but instead they just retroactively recognized Ohio as a state since 1803. Okay 1855 or sorry 1955 the Ohio Turnpike is completed in 1958. The state motto becomes adopted which is with God all things are possible. 1959 the Ohio Civil Rights Commission is created. The purpose of of the Civil Rights Commission at the time was to eliminate employment discrimination. The St. Lawrence Seaway is also opened in 1959, and then um, the terms of some state officials are increased from two years to four years. I don't necessarily know if that's worth putting on the major state timelines, but, um, but that also happened in 1959. John Glenn was the first American to orbit orbit the earth in 1962 and he is from New Concord, Ohio. There, um, the Great Seal of Ohio is standardized and adopted in 1967. 
Neil Armstrong of Wapakoneta, Ohio, became the first man to walk on the moon on July 20th, 1969. Neil Armstrong is also from Ohio. There's a ton of famous people from Ohio, so that list is going to be pretty long, I feel like. Um, okay, state income tax is adopted in 1971. The Ohio State Lottery starts in 1973. Um, the last commuter train, this is interesting, is shut down in Ohio in 1976. So that didn't become, I mean, that became kind of obsolete um, in the 70s and it shut down in 76. A natural gas shortage occurred in severe weather conditions in 1977 a lot of these like later ones as usual kind of are more focused on like natural events and a significant people that died in each event like i feel like the state history always goes from very very interesting to just very very tragic so um astronaut judith resnick of akron ohio dies in the challenger spacecraft explosion that was in 1986 um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame opens in Cleveland in 1995, the year of my birth, which is kind of cool. And 1998, John Glenn at age 77 became the oldest American to travel into space. I didn't know that he went when he was that old. Uh, I thought that they really capped the age on it because I know it's super hard to become an astronaut and they need to be super physically fit and stuff, probably because he had gone before. That makes more sense um, that they would let him go again. But 77 is very old to be going into space. That's pretty crazy. Okay, we're getting into the 2000s. In 2001, Ohio ranked in the top 10 in the country for growing all of these things. Corn, oats, winter wheat, soybeans, sweet corn, tomatoes, cucumbers, grapes, strawberries, raising chickens, hogs, and pigs, producing maple syrup, and many uh, dairy products. A Okay, this also says New York terrorist attacks led to a flurry of anti-terrorist activities throughout Ohio. That is very vague. So we'll probably at some point do a podcast about 9-11 and the impacts of 9-11 and all that stuff. But I don't know really why it's worth adding to this timeline if it's going to be so vague. But whatever. Um, okay, the Ohio representative or former representative James trafficant was sentenced to an eight-year prison term for corruption in Ohio. That was in 2002. In 2006, voters banned smoking in public places. Um, I'm trying to find... Uh, the other ones are pretty much just gunmen, homicides, or lawsuits so i don't feel like getting into those so yeah that is pretty much the history of ohio without all the depressing stuff in the 2000s i'm sure something really good has happened um in ohio in the 2000s but none of that is listed here instead i'm going to go into seven fun facts about ohio um and so some of these we've touched on in our timeline some of them are going to be new so the first one is something we touched on 
in the timeline. It says, while Ohio was declared a state in 1803, which means that its boundaries and constitution were approved by Thomas Jefferson. It didn't actually get the presidential stamp of approval until 1953, and Eisenhower signed and backdated Ohio's admittance into the Union. So that's the actual logistics of how it never got approved, is that it didn't have the presidential stamp. Um, okay, number two, the state takes its name from the Ohio River, which means, uh, which like comes from an Iroquois word. So we've already kind of been over that one. This is on DaytonDailyNews.com. So these are like the seven facts about Ohio history that they felt it um, interesting to know. Okay, so this one deals with the mother of presidents. So it says, of the eight U.S. presidents to come from Ohio, only one served two full terms and four of them died in office. So not a great track record if you're a president from Ohio about not dying in office. Um, So... To confirm, William Henry Harrison was the one that was born in Virginia, but moved to Ohio after he married his wife. He later became an Ohio state senator. He held the shortest term of any president because he died of pneumonia only a month after he was inaugurated. He also gave the longest inauguration speech in U.S. history. The seven other presidents are Grant Hayes Garfield, who was assassinated while in office, Harrison... McKinley, who was assassinated, Taft, and Harding, who died of a stroke while he was in office. So that is why it's called the mother of modern presidents. Okay, number four is that Ohio is a swing state. It's often said that Ohio is the decision state when it comes to presidential elections. Only eight presidents have lost in Ohio and won the presidential race. The last U.S. president to be elected without winning Ohio was Kennedy in 1960. Okay, number five is called Mound Builders. So ancient tribes of mound builders left more than 6,000 burial mounds and forts throughout the Ohio region. The the Miamisburg Mound is the largest conical burial mound in the state and possibly in the eastern U.S. Okay, Um, all roads, it says all roads lead through here. Um, there's a slogan about Ohio, which is the heart of it all. And it says the heart of it all isn't just a random slogan to promote tourism in Ohio. About 50% of the U S population is located within 50, within 500 miles of Ohio's state capital of Columbus. So it's very, very centrally located. And then this says Ohio's flag is is not rectangular like all the other state flags. Its pennant design is one of a kind. According to the Ohio State Flag Code, the flag is to be folded 17 times to represent Ohio as the 17th state to join the Union. So those are the seven interesting facts about the state of Ohio. Okay, let's talk about a few weird laws. This is one of my you know, favorite um, segments on here because it's like, they're usually so specific and so old and no one ever went back and took the time to actually change or revert them. So weird laws of Ohio. Okay. Number one, women are prohibited from wearing patent leather shoes in public. I don't think this one's enforced. Um, It is illegal to fish for whales on a Sunday It's illegal to get a fish drunk, which is actually, I mean, it's weird, but it's probably good. Like, we don't want to be getting animals drunk. It's animal 
abuse. So don't do that. The Ohio driver's education manual states that you must honk the horn whenever you pass another car. This cannot be what happens in Ohio. I've never been, but it seems like that one must also not be enforced or else it would be just chaos. Um, it's illegal for more than five women to live in a house or else it's considered a brothel. Uh, posting signs at swimming pools is illegal in Akron. It's illegal in Akron to display colored chickens for sale. It's illegal to walk a cow down Lake Road in Bay Village, which is, again, extremely specific, especially for the location. The installation and usage of slot machines in outhouses is prohibited in Bexley. So you can't be in an outhouse and using a slot machine at the same time. I wonder how many times this happened, probably once. And if someone loses their pet tiger, they must notify the authorities within one hour. So yeah, um, beware of those if you go to Ohio. Okay, we will do famous people from Ohio. We'll just rattle off this quick list. LeBron James, Steph Curry, Neil Armstrong, Steven Spielberg, Thomas Edison, Halle Berry, John Legend, Simone Biles, Paul Newman, Ulysses S. Grant, Guy Fieri. Now, only a few of those, like Ulysses S. Grant I listed, but not the other eight presidents, but we've name-dropped them enough, so just know all of those other ones are too. But yeah, tons of people from Ohio. Okay, state symbols. Let's go through the state symbols. I have to really give them some credit because they have by far the best state symbols website. It goes through each state symbol, when it was adopted, a little blurb about it, like it's way better than all the other ones that I've ever seen. A lot of them just have them listed with no information as to why this was the symbol that was chosen, or you have to like go click into a whole other link to go see it. This one is perfect. Just a shout out to Ohio.gov <laughs> because they really have it organized well. Okay, so the flag of Ohio, like we mentioned, um, is unique. That was adopted in 1902. I'm not going to go into that one because we already have kind of been over it. Okay, so the state flower is the red carnation. It was adopted in 1904. The state legislature chose the red carnation to honor President William McKinley. He was from Ohio and he was assassinated in 1901. He loved to wear red carnations stuck in his buttonhole on the lapel of his jacket. So three years after he was assassinated in office, Ohio chose the state flower as the red carnation. Those are the kind of stories I like. You know, I like knowing that. I could have easily just skimmed over and been like, yep, the red carnation is Ohio's state flower. I like knowing the background of why they did it, especially when it's like to honor one of their presidents. And I just think that's really cool. Okay, the state bird is the cardinal. It was adopted in 1933. The cardinal's scientific name is Cardinalis Cardinalis. <laughs> when Europeans first arrived in Ohio, Ohio was 95% forest and cardinals were rare. But as the forests were cleared, the habitat became more suitable for cardinals and by the late 1800s, the cardinals had expanded into the modified habitat of Ohio and could be found across the state. Okay, the state tree is the Ohio buckeye. Now, whenever I have heard the buckeyes or you know, like eating a candy that's called a buckeye. 
I always thought that that was just a nut or something. I didn't know it was a, a tree. Um, so the Ohio Buckeye was adopted as a state tree in 1953. Um, it's called the Buckeye because the nut of the tree resembles the shape and color of a deer's eye. So technically it is talking about a nut, which is why the like peanut butter balls are, you know, look like a nut. They're also supposed to look like a deer's eye, but that is because those nuts come from the Buckeye tree. Um, the Buckeye, it says, also provides Ohioans with their principal nickname, the Buckeyes. They've referred to themselves as the Buckeyes since the election of 1840, when Ohio resident William Henry Harrison won the presidency. His supporters carved campaign souvenirs out of Buckeye wood to illustrate their support for their fellow Ohioan. The Buckeye has, better, has become better known as the Ohio State University's nickname. Um, and their mascot is Brutus the Buckeye. So, um, the state motto, like we mentioned in the timeline, was adopted in 1959. They, so the Ohio, Ohio legislature sponsored a contest to select the state motto throughout, or like in the early 1950s. And this was adopted in October of 1959. It was suggested by a boy named James Mastronardo and he was 12 years old he recommended this quote from the Bible and it was it won the contest in 1997 the ACLU filed a suit against Ohio and its state motto claiming that this phrase violated the first amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which guarantees religious freedom and separation of church and state, various federal courts sided with Ohio, allowing the state to retain the motto. Judges ruled that Ohio's motto does not endorse a specific God and thus was not a violation of the First Amendment. Ohio is one of the five states with the word God in their motto. That sounds very ACLU, you know, just tr trying to take away with God, all things are possible. What a, what a noble, um mission for the ACLU. Not a waste of time at all. <laughs> okay. As you can tell, I'm not a huge fan of the ACLU. Because you know what? You know why? I mean, because this kind of sums it up, but basically when I was growing up, like when I was, I don't know, probably 10, between the ages of like 10 to 15 was when the ACLU went on their rampage about trying to ban nativity scenes and like crosses from everywhere like every public space they like sued everyone that put a nativity scene up and I was like so even back then I was so annoyed I was like get over it they're like a church has a nativity scene out in their front yard P sue them I'm like Ugh. so I have had a bad taste in my mouth about the ACLU ever since I can remember <laughs> um okay the state gemstone is the Ohio Flint um, that was adopted in 1965. Large quantities of this gem exist, especially in the eastern and central parts of the state. Not much other information, like exciting information um, about that one. Okay, the state beverage is tomato juice. It's usually milk, so I'm glad that they had some variety. That was adopted in 1965. In 1870, Reynoldsburg resident Alexander Livingston began to grow tomatoes commercially. The annual tomato festival honors Livingston and the tomatoes' importance in Ohio's economy. 
farmers grow tomatoes across the state and um, it says that the heaviest concentration of tomato farming takes place in the northwestern quadrant of the state and so they're just producing a ton of tomatoes and they wanted to honor that with their um, state drink. I bet they have a lot of what are those called? The more um, the drink that people have in the morning that's like tomato juice and vodka. It's not a mimosa. Why am I blanking on what's that what that's called? A bloody Mary. I bet Bloody Marys are super popular in Ohio. Okay. The state song is called Beautiful Ohio. It was adopted in 1969. It talks about how beautiful Ohio is. <laughs> the state lady or the state insect is the ladybug. Um, that was adopted in 1975. Uh, there are many different species of ladybird beetles found in Ohio today. It's symbolic of the people of Ohio. She is proud and friendly, bringing delight to millions of children when she alights on her hand or arm to display her multicolored wings, industrious and hardy, able to live under the most adverse conditions. Okay, so someone got very deep about ladybugs and their similarities to Ohioans. Um, they exist in all 88 counties. They eat small pests and they're they help to greatly assist Ohio's farmers and gardeners by reducing the need for insecticides. Um, the wildflower, state wildflower, is the white trillium that was adopted in 1986. It is known as the wake robin, the snow trillium, the great white trillium, or the large white trillium. It exists in all 88 counties. The state mammal is the white-tailed deer. That's pretty standard across a lot of states. That was adopted in 1988. It's been a very important in Ohio's history. Uh, it says that they have been in Ohio since the end of the last ice age and the native people used the deer meat for food, the hide for clothing, the bones and antlers for tools, all that. Europeans considered deer to be very valuable. They used deer skins in barter and trade. The slang term buck referring to a dollar dates to the time when deer skins were used to trade and barter for supplies. So that is, uh, it makes sense that the white-tailed deer is their state animal. My notes keep um, hopping around. So, okay, the state reptile is the black racer snake. That was adopted in 1995. And it just is because of the prevalence in the state. It's, um, it kills various types of rodents that can cause damage to farmers' crops. The state fruit is the tomato. That's pretty self-explanatory after the drink is the tomato juice. But it wasn't adopted as the state fruit until 2009. Um, the state native fruit is the pawpaw, which was also adopted in 2009. It's a little known fruit that has experienced a resurgence, it says, with many Ohioans growing, selling, and eating their own pawpaws. The pawpaw is North America's largest native tree fruit and its trees are found throughout all of Ohio. Um, I need to look up what this looks like because that's kind of interesting. I've never heard of a pawpaw. Well, except for in Jungle Book, so. Like, if you eat the, the big pawpaw, 
or whatever however that song goes okay the state frog is a bullfrog that was adopted in 2010 um it's the largest frog in north america it can be heard up to a mile away they're found throughout ohio and the life expectancy of the bullfrog is between seven and nine years this is like what people will eat the legs of in restaurants is the adult bullfrog which is what their state symbol is okay that is all of them. Very interesting. I really liked how it said all the background of these state symbols. Okay, then the last thing we're going to go over is the attractions, things that you should see, top-rated attractions if you go to Ohio. Number one is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, as we mentioned, that got established. Um, number two is the National Museum of the U.S. Air Force, which would be a very interesting one to go see. Uh, Cedar Point Amusement amusement park which i've heard so many things about from like all my friends who have gone to ohio they all talk about cedar point like it has the most amazing rides ever so i kind of really want to go to cedar point number four is hawking hills state park um, which looks really pretty they have waterfalls and just really pretty nature drives number five is just generally amish country because there are a lot of amish people that live in Ohio and the more agricultural parts, so that makes sense. Columbus Zoo and Aquarium is another big tourist attraction that's top rated. There's a Cincinnati Museum Center, which also gets very good, very high ranking reviews. There's Franklin Park Conservatory and Botanical Gardens, so you can go see. It says it's year round and it has a lot of indoor and outdoor exhibits of plants and flowers. There's Cincinnati Art Museum. There is Stan uh, Highwit Hall and Gardens in Akron, which looks beautiful. Um, Fountain Square in Cincinnati, Ohio is kind of a famous touristy area. They have an ice rink in the winter and um, some outdoor coffee shops and things like that in the summer. They have a scenic train ride, which is like more my speed. I, like I don't really care to go to the city areas as much. I want to go to the, I can't pronounce this, Cuyahoga Valley Scenic Train Ride. That is where you'll find me if I go to Ohio. And then the West Side Market is a big tourist attraction with a bunch of different shops and everything, and it looks very cute. So. Um, that is all for the Ohio episode. I hope you enjoyed and let me know if you are from Ohio, if you've been, the best things to do in Ohio. I always love to hear feedback on if something is like rated the top tourist attraction or something and you've gone and been like, no, that area sucks or like they left this place off the list or something like that. Um, I'm always interested in hearing. So um, that is all for today's episode. We'll be back on Monday with another episode, I've been debating what I should be doing for the Monday podcast, and I think I gotta do it. I, I gotta do an episode about Roe v. Wade. While I'm tired of hearing about it, I think I need to do my own input because I keep seeing these terribly logic and reasoned out arguments on social media, and so I've been collecting screenshots of things that I think are absurd in order to make people's points. One of them was like, hey, if we can't get abortions, maybe women should all get guns. Maybe we should arm all women. And I'm like, yeah, that's what conservatives have been saying for like years. And you think this is some big own that you're having. Like, 
I don't understand. Some people are like, I have a bright idea. Let's go on a sex strike and practice abstinence. I'm like, yeah, that would be a good idea. Anyway, I think I need to actually do an episode about it because it's just gotten me fired up in the last few days. Um, All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you on Monday for another podcast. Have a great weekend, everyone, and happy 4th of July. Bye, everyone.